is the Cloud Hub Podcast, your launchpad for Amazon Web Services. Welcome to the Cloud and Out podcast. My name is Andreas. And my name is Michael. And we are two brothers. We are focusing 100% uh, on AWS. We are doing consulting, also developing um, applications on AWS. So all we do each day is really focusing on AWS. And the Cloud and Out podcast belongs to our blog, uh, which you can find on cloudonout.io. And each other week, uh, we are discussing a topic here in the podcast. And either me or Michael prepares the podcast, and the other one does not really know what we will talk about here. So it's always a surprise for us. Last week, uh, Michael, do you remember what we talked about last week? I presented a topic there. Um, yes, I do, Andreas. So it wasn't actually last week. It was the week before last week, because we only run it every two weeks. But um, you talked about um, Aurora Serverless, so to be more precise, you um, you provided a review of the service. Um, so we we learned that Aurora Serverless does not have replication at the moment, so it's a, a, a vertically scaled uh, service uh, that we can use. It comes with MySQL and Postgres compatibility. Now, this is a very hard word to, to pronounce, <laughs> compatibility. Um And yeah, we also went into uh, a few details about this, how the scaling works, um, that you can pause the database. If there are no connections, um, you can uh, pause it and then it, it awakes when the first connection comes in again. Uh, so this was kind of the topic. And one thing that we kind of forget to talk about uh, is that uh, in some cases, Aurora Serverless cannot find a so-called uh, scaling point. This means uh, Aurora Serverless Uh, detects that it has to scale up, but it cannot scale up because, for example, if you have a lot of write requests going on, then uh, Aurora Serverless cannot scale up. So in one project, uh, I noticed this problem. So they were running a like a, a big batch system. So they had a, a message queue in front of it. And at some point in time, a lot of messages received and then the system uh, got busy so a lot of write requests were made to Aurora Serverless and we were not able to scale up or the database was not able to scale up because there were so many writes. And, and this is actually uh, pretty hard to fix. So you have to make sure that your load um, kind of increases more or less slowly. So because if you go from zero to uh, a lot, lots of requests, then it, it is not fast enough to, to scale up. So that's something that we, I, I think we, we just forget it to mention because we actually uh, run into these issues as well. And it only happens if you have really extremely um, workloads that go from from mostly zero to to lots of requests. So if you have a, a normal workload that that increases over time, then then this is not an issue at all. Mm -hmm. Yeah, very good. Yeah, good that you mentioned that. Okay, so yeah, so last time was reviewing uh, Aurora Serverless. So what's the topic of this week? Yes, so I um, prepared a topic about um, continuous uh, integration and continuous delivery on AWS, but in a way that is very easy or fast to implement. Okay, that sounds interesting. Yes, so there are, there are many options um, on AWS to implement this, and we will focus on one specific service called CodeBuild, but we're also going to look at the whole ecosystem that's available here. 
Okay, uh, so before we start here, I always get confused because there are so many services that all start with code. So there's code build, but there's also code commit, code pipeline, code star. I'm always confused. Please explain the difference to me. Yes, so let's start with a code commit. So code commit is a um, a hosted uh, Git repository service. So you can very, or you could compare it to GitHub, but it's it's... I mean, it's a Git repository and then without all the features that GitHub provides. So there's a very, um, uh, a, or there is a web interface, but it's, it's much, uh, much simpler than what you can, what you are, uh, used to when you use GitHub. So that's, that's code commit. The, the cool thing here is that you can use your AWS credentials to push and pull. So you can use IAM to control access to the repository. And I think that's the, that's the biggest benefit here when using code commit. Um, you can also um, use other uh, remote repositories like GitHub and, and Bitbucket. Um, they also integrate with the other services. So let's talk about the other services. Um, code build is it's basically a, a way to run a CI CD job. So it, it, it runs inside a container and then you can execute whatever you like. So you can simple bash script, you can run Ruby scripts or Python scripts, whatever you need to build um, or test your application. And you can hook code build up to a code commit repository. You can also hook it up to a GitHub repository and other things. Um, so that's um, what you can do with, with code build. So if you compare it to other services, code build is kind of the Circle CI, Jenkins, uh, no, not Jenkins, sorry, um, Travis CI. Uh, kind of thing so it it just runs when you commit uh, something to your repository and then we have code pipeline um, so code pipeline is something that you can wrap around uh, code commit code build and many other services so it it's an orchestrating layer for builds um, and it can use multiple sources it can uh, run in parallel and it can do all kinds of fancy things um, it can deploy CloudFormation uh, natively and things like this. So it's 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 a way to model the pipeline around all the AWS services that exist. So you can trigger multiple code builds, for example, in the code pipeline, and you can have multiple code commit repositories as sources for the code pipeline. So this is, I think the service makes a lot of sense if you have more complex code pipelines, maybe with uh, manual uh, approval steps, and things like this. So if it gets more complex and if it really makes a lot of sense to run things in parallel, so if this is your kind of pipeline that you have in mind, then you should check out Code Pipeline. If you only run a single uh, line basically in your pipeline without parallelization, then Code Pipeline adds a lot of overhead without many benefits. And that's also kind of the topic of, of, of our podcast today. Okay, so, and there's one missing, CodeStar. What is that? Another code series. <laughs> There's CodeStar. So actually, I, I don't I don't quite know what CodeStar is about. Do you know what it is? So I think it's kind of a development environment or something like this. But I, I don't know. I never used it. Yeah. So I also just used it once to play around with it a little bit. So it creates a project uh, which is pre-configured uh, for the use with AWS. So that is my understanding of CodeStar. So it helps you to get started. Okay, but I think it's it's quite silent. So I, I haven't heard a lot about CodeStar in the past. So I think it's, I'm not sure if it's really used by people. So I don't know. 
Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So we have. So let let me summarize that. So we have code commit, which is the code repository. We have code code build, which is running the CI job, and we have code pipeline, which helps us to orchestrate complex uh, deployment pipelines. Correct. Yes. So that's. I think that that's correct. Yes. So um, the the idea of this podcast is that I yes you can use code pipeline, but the learning curve is is pretty steep. And if you are used to CircleCI or GitLab pipelines at the moment and you don't use or, or you don't run things in parallel, then you are completely fine using only code build. So you don't need the overhead of code pipeline. I mean, if you're interested in it and if you want to check it out, then that's also, it, it is not a bad choice. It, it's a good choice, but it's, it's complex. And if you don't need it, then um, I recommend to just use code build because it, it also does the job in the end. Okay, so then please explain to us and me um, what or how do I build a deployment pipeline only with code build? How does that work? Yeah, so the 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 basic idea is that you connect a, a code commit repository to a code build project and that's basically all you need to do. And then if you push into your repository, um the code build is uh the code build project is 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 started and uh, commands are executed. So the the first question is, how do you define the commands that run? And in our language that we use here, the commands are actually what the pipeline is. So starting from the first command up to the last command, so this is what the pipeline is. So if there's some a change in the code commit repository, then we run a series of commands, and the whole thing uh, is, is, is what we call the pipeline here. So it's it's only a single invocation of code build from the outside but inside of code build you can execute as many steps as you like to achieve your goal for example um, if you are building a node.js project or a java project the first thing that you might need to do is install the dependencies of the application and then you will um, so in java world for example you will uh, need to package your uh, your application and then you will run your unit tests and if this is successful, then you might uh, want to run some static analysis on the source code. So do some um, checking of maybe some style checking, some linting and things like this. And after that, you could uh, deploy the uh, new version of your application to a test environment using CloudFormation, for example. Then you could run some integration tests. So for example, if you are uh, developing a backend application with an API, then you could run some some API queries and see if they respond in a way that, that you expect. Um, or, and if this is successful, then you could uh, deploy the whole thing to your production environment and then maybe do some, some smoke tests um, at the end to make sure that it is still working. And then the, uh, the series of, of commands ends and the code build project will, will be successful, the uh, execution. Okay, so that's uh, how, how, how I set up a um, deployment pipeline. But um, how does code, you mentioned that already. So code build uh, runs the pipeline inside a Docker container. Maybe you can go over that a little bit and why this is a good choice and how that works. Yeah, so the, the, the cool thing about this is that you have a, a predefined environment in which your build runs. So this is very important. So you have all the uh, dependencies that you need are um, uh, inside a Docker image that is used to run your builds. So you can run, uh, you can provide your own image if you like um, that you use for building. So then you have complete um, 
or you um, absolutely know what the state of the image is, you can also use a set of predefined images by AWS. And you can also check out the Docker files for those images so you also know exactly what kind of libraries are installed, what kind of tools do you have, and what needs to be installed on top of it if you run your, your build job. Okay, and um, maybe one question. So um, what's the advantage of using your own Docker image here? Yeah, so I think the advantage is, so if you have dependencies that are not in one of the um, official uh, or predefined images from AWS, then every time you run the project, you need to install your own dependencies. So you need to download them from the internet, then you need to install them, or maybe you have to compile them first, and then uh, you can uh, use them. And this takes time. Um, so the idea is that the pipeline should run as, or the, the goal is that the pipeline should be uh, executing very fast, that you get uh, feedback as, uh, as, as soon as possible once you commit and push. So if you um, have large dependencies, uh, it makes sense to create your own Docker image that you use to run your build uh, um, to, to avoid that you have to install the dependencies every time. Okay, so but this is the dependencies for the build itself. So the tools that I need for building the software, not a dependency that the application uh, needs. So that's the, the important part here. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. So I, I can give you one example. So I was, I was uh, using or I was creating a code build project for a um, Ruby on Rails project. So you need to install Ruby on Rails um, and this requires quite a few dependencies. Um, so this, this could make sense to have a Docker image that contains Ruby on Rails, the framework, and with, with all the dependencies that it needs. And then you use this image to build your application that is built on top of Ruby on Rails, for example. Okay, so how, does, how do I then build a pipeline? So how do I uh, enter my shell script or my Ruby script, whatever I do for creating my pipeline? How does that work? Yeah, so the, the core of, of code build is a file called buildspec.yaml. So it's in, in YAML format and um, it, it defines uh, so-called phases. Um, so there, are, there is the install phase. So this is the phase where you should install all the dependencies that you need to run the build. Then we have a pre-build phase, we have a build phase and we have a post-build phase. And I'm not quite sure how or how this is really structured or how you should use it so what should be in the pre-build what should be in build what should be in post-build i think that's not uh, as important so typically I, I i install all my dependencies in the install phase and then i use um the build phase uh, do everything that i need to 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 do because if any of the commands fails um then the pipeline will or the code build uh, execution will stop uh, so it will uh, uh stop either if you use pre-built, build, or post-built phases, or if you just put everything into a single phase. So, um, I, yeah, I, 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 I'm not quite sure what the, the differences are here or how is it meant to be used, but uh, usually I, I put everything in the, build, um, in the build phase. So, this is the first thing. So, you create a YAML file and you define um, the phases. So, phase uh, number one is install, and then phase number two is pre-built, phase number three is the build phase, and phase number four is the post-build phase. And Within each phase, you can do um, different things. Um, and one thing that you can do in all the phases is you can run commands. And commands is just an array of um, commands that are executed in the default shell. Um, so if you're using the pre-built images, then this is a bash. 
Um, so you can do whatever uh, you like to do. And there's one thing to keep in mind. So if you are, uh, or if you played around with CodeBuild uh, uh, a few, I think it's already years before, then each command was invoked in its own um, shell. So if you set an environment variable, for example, it was not available in the next command. So this was very counterintuitive. And so they changed this um, with version 0.2 of the app spec, which is now the, the latest version. And then you, it really behaves as, as you expect and is, as all the others like CircleCI and, and GitLab and all the others behave. So that's, that's just important. If you find examples where the version of the build spec is set to 0.1, then it behaves a little bit strange, uh, at least from my, or what I expected um, when I used it. Okay, so that's what comes into the phases. And then there is a, the special phase, the install phase, And there's a a quite cool feature available or that was uh, released, I think, a few months before um, with the so-called version 2 predefined images. You can now, in the install phase, define the runtime environment of your build. So, for example, you can define that you want to have Docker installed in version 18. You can say you want to have Java installed in this version. You can say that you want to have Ruby installed in this version. So before that, you, you, you used commands to install the specific version of the runtime that you needed. And now with the version 2 images, you can actually just specify this in your YAML file and then um, it will install the dependencies in the correct versions automatically or enable them automatically when um, the build runs. Okay, so that, that's interesting. So AWS um, or CodeBuild comes with predefined build environments for typical programming languages and environments like Docker. Yes. Okay, so one thing I want to mention for our listeners. So as Michael is going into the details of the um, build spec YAML file already, um, we have a, a blog post that covers the topic of this um, podcast episode as well. So you will find the link in the show notes at that point that it gets you to the blog post where you can find code examples and all the information in detail um, if it's maybe hard to just get it from uh, the audio here in the podcast. Yes, Um, and and also something that I I want to mention. Um, So if you compare CodeBuild to other services like other um, uh, like vendors, um, you might miss something like a build number. So in, for example, in CircleCI, you get an environment variable that just increases by one every time the, the project runs. Um, so this is not available in CodeBuild. Uh, instead, you get some more, uh, like more UUID kind of style build IDs. So they don't look that nice. Um, if you, for example, want to tag your Docker images, so they get pretty long. Um, so... That's kind of something that you might miss if you use code build. So there is no uh, pre- or no out of the box uh, mechanism to 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 get a build uh, number that increases by one every time the the project runs. Um, so that's uh, something that I kind of I mean yeah, it, it's nice in in some environments to have it because it's just easier for humans to then see what what happened after uh, each other. Okay. Um, okay. So one thing that I also want to mention is um, you could put all the commands that you need to run into the build spec YAML file. So everything that is needed. But it it turns out that it is easier, or at least what what I prefer, and also what what uh, other people prefer, is that you put um, 
for example, if you use bash to run your pipeline, then you create a, a bash file, you put all the commands in the bash file, and then you just invoke the bash file from the uh, build spec command. So this makes sure that your build spec is, is much smaller and that the, the actual bash commands are in a bash file, and then you can use bash linters and stuff like this to make sure that it's really uh, that the, the bash is correct. And also if you use, for example, lots of people use Ruby uh, to, to do these kinds of things, then you can make sure that the, the Ruby code is correct uh, before you actually run it uh, or if you use Python and things like this. So it's easier if you separate the, the programming logic out of the YAML file because YAML is not really the place where you want to put your code. So that's something that I can really highly recommend uh, doing. Okay, so maybe a question to understand how the whole thing works. <laughs> so where do I place the build spec YAML and where do I place uh, in, in your example the, the build shell script? Where do I store them <laughs> so that code build can use it? So the, the convention is that the build spec.yaml file is placed in the root of your uh, project, so in the root of your repository. Um, you can move it to other folders if you like, but then you have to configure that uh, the, the place the, so that uh, code build can find the build spec YAML file. So that's why I just put it in the root directory and then uh, it's working. And if you, for example, invoke uh, or the build, the, the script that actually runs that you invoke from the build spec YAML file can be placed wherever you like. So you just have to provide the, the correct path to, to invoke it. Um, so sometimes you have a specific folder for this kind of stuff or you can also put it in the root directory. So it depends a little bit on how big the whole project is. And if it needs uh, makes sense to to separate it into different uh, folders or not, but yeah, the build spec um, by default should be in the root directory. If you want to put it somewhere else, then make sure that you configure code build uh, um, so that it can find the YAML file. Okay, so then I'm just checking them in and pushing them to my code commit repository, and that's it. Yes, correct. So we now discussed how you can define the steps that are executed in your code build project, which is your pipeline. But the question is, how do you create the code build project? Um, and the good news here is that we have full coverage uh, of CloudFormation. So you can create a code build project with CloudFormation. And um, you have to specify a few things um, when you uh, create such a project. So for example, you have to specify the environment in which your builds run. So this means um, you have to select the Docker image that is used for the builds. So you can select a one of the pre-built images, as, as I mentioned, or you can also use uh, your own image. Um, if it is in a private repository, then you have to make sure that the authentication is, is, is configured properly so that CodeBuild can actually access your, um, your image. But if you use the default images, then it just, it just works. You can also specify the uh, kind of horsepower of your build environment. Um, so uh, it's called the compute type. And there are um, three different um, sizes available at the moment. So the smallest comes with um, three gigabytes of memory and two cores. And then we have the medium size um, um, environment comes with seven gigabytes of memory and four cores and then we have the large uh, environment which comes with 15 gigabytes of memory and eight cores um, it's also worth to mention that uh, there's also support for building uh, in windows so you can 
also get uh, Windows containers that run um, in your code build, but then you can only use the medium and large uh, environments. So it, the small uh, environment sizes is, is only available for Linux at the moment. Um, okay, so what else needs to be um, specified here? When you create a, uh, a code build project, one important thing is that you need to specify a IAM role that is used in the context of the build. So this role needs the permissions that your pipeline actually needs to do its job. And this is a really tricky part um, because you, you usually need uh, quite a few permissions to deploy your application, but still you should follow the least privileged principle here. So and that's really hard to, to accomplish um, because if you are using CloudFormation, for example, to deploy um, your application, it's also quite hard to figure out what API calls CloudFormation actually does under the hood to deploy your application. So this is something that I really find very hard to, to achieve. So I usually try to only allow the, the services that I know that I use. So for example, if I deploy an ECS application, then I know that I need to access the ECS service. I might need to access ECR to push the, the image and a few other um, services, maybe load balancing and things like this. So I try to I try to achieve least privileged principles, but it's not really possible to really do it uh, like in an, in a really least privileged principle way because you cannot specify um, everything up front because you don't know the resources that are created by CloudFormation. So uh, I'm not sure what your experience is with with making sure that the, that the pipeline does not get a lot of permissions, Andreas. Yeah, I think that's a, a huge problem. So because I think it's um, uh, the most important aspect of it is um, you, we usually try to deploy the application with all its AWS dependencies within one pipeline. So also to create um, the, all the resources in AWS, which also means you need to create IAM roles, IAM policies out of your uh, repository with your deployment pipeline. And that means actually, so as the pipeline needs to create IAM roles and needs to change IAM policies, actually you cannot restrict it anymore because the pipeline could always itself um, uh, make changes to your IAM configuration. So that's, I think, a big problem. If you really want <laughs> to get least privilege here, uh, you, sh you, sh uh, you then have to use um, IAM permission boundaries, which makes the whole thing really, really complicated. So I think um, um, as we are deploying uh, everything with our deployment pipeline in an automated way, the pipeline needs kind of administration access to your AWS account usually. And it's, yeah, it's really hard to restrict it. You can try to to do it as good as possible, but I don't think you can get to 100% least privilege here because it's just um, too complicated and too much work. Uh, yeah, it might depend. But I would try to then use, maybe go to using multiple AWS accounts to restrict your environments. I think that makes them maybe much more sense than going into into that. Yeah, so that's, that's I think, also where a code pipeline comes into the whole uh, or or it comes to or uh, comes to stage, and um, because if you have multi-account deployments, then you could push uh, put a code build project in your test account, and you could put a code build project in your production account, and from code build you can trigger the code build project in the test account, and if this was successful, you can trigger the one in the in the production account. So there you can really get separation 
So in the test account, you have one project with its own IAM role. And in the admin uh, and the production account, you have another code build project with its own IAM permission. So you get uh, better separation here if you if you want to uh, make sure that the test and, and production account uh, workloads are, are separated. Yeah, so that's 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 uh, an important thing that you mentioned here, Andreas. Um, okay, so one thing or the last thing that I want to mention um, regarding code build is that all the logs, uh, so everything that you write to to standard out or standard error in your uh, in your commands or in your script that you run in the in the commands um, is is shipped to CloudWatch logs. So this is the place where you can find uh, actual if so. Uh, at least at the beginning, your pipeline usually doesn't work uh, in the first uh, at the first uh, execution. So you can get information what 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 is not working, and then fix it, and then uh, try again. So that's a very um, important piece to to get the logs from from CloudWatch logs. And this is also nicely integrated into the CodeBuild uh, UI. So if you use the management console with CodeBuild, you get very easy access to the logs. So this is really, I think that that's one of the one of the services where the UI is really uh, well done in in CodeBuild. So it's really easy to access the logs. And what, what's also very interesting is that a code build uh, emits um, events to CloudWatch events uh, in case of, or if a project was successful, uh, a build was successful or uh, if it failed. So you can also use this to um, notify your, uh, your team if a build failed. Um, so that's also a very interesting feature. And then you need to create a, a CloudWatch event rule uh, to capture those, those events. So let's summarize uh, what you have uh, introduced us uh, to today. So um, you're saying that um, using code build and only code build is a way to build simple pipelines uh, in a very short amount of time. And it comes with uh, all the advantages of an AWS service. So you get a managed uh, build environment. AWS takes care of scaling and uh, operating the underlying infrastructure. And it's uh, relatively simply uh, simple to build your uh, deployment pipelines uh, with code build. And as you mentioned at the beginning, if it gets more complex, if you have to do things in parallel, or if you have um, yeah, more, more complex scenarios, uh, only then you should have a look into a code pipeline. Is that a good summary of uh, what you said today? Yes, that, that's, a, that's a, a great summary, Andreas. So um, two things that I would like to add here is so if you are coming from something like Circle CI, Travis CI, or GitLab, GitLab pipelines, then I would recommend that you start with code build in a standalone mode. And if you master this, then you can check out code pipeline. But if you come from, uh, for example, Circle CI, and then you look at code pipeline, then you will be you feel like what what do I have to do here? So this is very complicated. I don't understand how it works. And so it's it's really a whole different thing um, if you are coming from one of the other uh, services. So I, I'm not aware of something um, like Code Pipeline actually. Um, so that this is really a, a different a different uh, thing. So uh, I would recommend starting with Code Build here. Yeah. And the second uh, point that I want to add here is so we mentioned the the problem with the IAM permissions that you have um, when you define the code build project uh, and if you try to follow the least privileged principle um the the good news is that it is much easier to achieve it if you use code build uh, if you run your job in 
something else, so for example, Circle uh, or in Git, uh, GitLab pipelines, then you, you, you still have the same problem, but you also have the problem, how do I get the credentials onto this um, uh, in this build environment? So for example, in CircleSwire, you define environment variables with your AWS access key, for example, then you need a way to rotate them because otherwise you will have problems here. Um, so this is uh, something that you have to do additionally, um, rotate the credentials if you're not using code build, if you use something else. Um, so that's uh, something that you do. And with GitLab, I think, the, or maybe Andreas, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but the permissions are kind of, so the GitLab runner uh, runs on EC2 or on, on Docker, and it uses the permissions of the, of the EC2 or the, the container, right? Yes, it can use it. Yeah, that's, that's correct. Yeah. Okay. Otherwise, you assume a, a, a role um, to to do your actual build, or you can also use environment variables as you uh, said with uh, <coughs> Circle CI. Yeah, correct. So that's an option here. Yeah, but what you say is correct. So the problem with uh, least privilege uh, when doing um, deployment pipelines, it's the same problem <laughs> no matter which tool you use. So because the problem is uh, how do I grant access to my deployment pipeline into which parts. Um, so that doesn't go away <laughs> with other solutions as well. That's correct. Okay, so maybe important to mention. Um, so we are currently writing a book, Rapid Docker on AWS. And um, this is uh, where we also use um, code build to build a very simple deployment pipeline that builds Docker images, pushes them to the ECR Docker registry, and then uh, also deploys it uh, to your AWS environment on ECS. So if you want to uh, get a full picture with a, a whole application running on AWS, including a deployment pipeline, you should definitely check out our Rapid Docker uh, on AWS book. You will find a link in the show notes. And yeah, we are currently finishing the last chapter. So it's it's almost done. I would say it's ninety <laughs> percent uh, is done now. So a good time to check that out and get your own copy. Okay, great. Um, so I think it's time to uh, to finish here, Andreas. Yes. So thanks for listening and um, speak to you next uh, or in two weeks, Michael. Yes. Bye. Thank you. Bye.